Yeah, and that's what I like. Th- what I dig about like putting an outfit together because it's like you see me from the front, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Wow, look at that! That's something." And then I turn around, <laughs> yep. and they're like, "Is that a birdcage back there?" And then, they, <laughs> and then you see something else, and you're like, "Wait! Oh my god, that's all flowers! Oh my god, I thought that was her hair!" You know. So and then so as I'm moving from side to side, they're like, "Oh!" And then I close my eyes to sing something, and bam, you got glitter. And then I you turn, I turn my head, and the 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 light hits yes, the cheekbone yeah. just right with the highlighter, you know? So it's like, I I try no matter what angle I have, there's something That's cool. for you to say. That's say. really cool. You know what I mean? Oh, hi. You stumbled across Beauty Reform School, the podcast that explores beauty, style, reinvention, self-care, all from the perspective of the outside looking in. We pick apart the classics so we can confidently break the mold. And I'm your host, Bad Bad, the artist, the educator, the retail grunt, the problem child, the one who's done it the hard way for decades. And now I'm passing the savings on to you. So bring me your tired, your confused, your weirdos, your others yearning to breathe free. If this sounds like you, grab your pen and grab your scratch pad and let's figure this crap out together. Right here at Beauty Reform School. Welcome to this next edition of Beauty Reform School. I'm really excited to bring on someone that not only inspires me, but I think will inspire you too. None other than costume designer Max Brown. How are you? <laughs> Hi, PJ. How are you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Max Brown. <laughs> yes, Brown and Brown. No relation, but but yes, 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 yes. And um, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm gonna toot your horn a little bit. Um, Max Brown is a costume designer, but you also do a lot of other things as well. So anything you care to share? Or... <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, so I'm a, a, a PhD archaeologist. Yes. Yes, I know. Crazy. But I've found my way into public service. And so I work um, at the VA in philadelphia the michael christians va and um, and there i'm like a research administrator and i also do a ton of community and patient and stakeholder engagement yeah yeah so it's taking advantage of my background my archaeology background has a strong anthropology bent to it so it takes advantage of, of of that and then um I also have a small um, sort of humanities-based program that I run called Eternal Soldier, although we're on a bit of a hiatus at the moment um, due to (laughs) COVID-19. And then um, we'll figure out what our next steps are probably coming sooner rather than later. And then, of course, I I make these clothes, right? Right, (laughs) right. Uh, and I've been sewing since I was 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 11. Um, actually, earlier, because my grandmother was the one who taught me how to do embroidery. And oh, so, wow. 
Right. So yeah, I was working with her. She would watch baseball. <laughs> she was a huge <laughs> baseball fan. So we'd watch baseball <laughs> games. And she'd drink those little seven ounce Miller nips, you know, those Miller Light nips. And yeah. we would um embroider on pillowcases and tablecloths and sheets. So um, I know it was an uh, incredible amount of detail work. And um, so, yeah, I started doing that with her. I think I would have been about seven. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, it was like making little flowers and other kinds of things. So, yeah, it wasn't needlepoint. It was embroidery. So it's even finer than needlepoint. So, yeah, yeah that's where I got started. Awesome. 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 Yeah, I used to knit and sew a little bit with my mom and my grandma when I was little, but mm -hmm. I lost it. I didn't stick. I didn't keep it up. So I lost a lot of those skills. I still knit. Uh -huh. but, but yeah, as far as like the sewing, like the real seriousness of sewing, I lost mm -hmm. some of those skills. So <laughs> kind, kind of bummed out. I wish I still had them. Well, you know, I think it it depends. Nowadays, you can you can have a ton of style and not have to sew. That's fortunate. Um, you can do all kinds of embellishment. You can, you know, create looks or take something that already exists and then, you know, repurpose it or restyle yeah. it without- That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not like, you don't need a needle and thread to do any of that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get by without it. <laughs> no, I know. But it's like, that's just a, that's one of those, those skills that, you know, you know, it's like cooking, you know, if you know how to do certain <laughs> things in cooking, it's good. You don't have to, but it's good, right. you know, and that's kind of how I feel about selling. But um, <laughs> I've always wanted to ask you in, in the time that I've known you, like, where do you get inspiration from? when you're when you're coming up with a costume or you're coming up with something where do you even get the inspiration for that like to to design something or what gives you the ideas like what where, where does that come from hmm well um mostly right out of my imagination yeah. um on occasion i'll see something on the internet and i'll be like "Ooh, can we you know, it has a quality to it that I want to exploit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on occasion, though, sometimes I'll just see something on the street and I'm like, oh, we could do this. Um, other times, you know, since I sew for Miss Martha, sometimes I'll get an email with a picture in it or a text and be like, can we do something like this? Um, yeah. But most of the time, I'm just thinking about like sometimes I'll find some fabric and it'll just sit on the shelf. I kid you not for years until mm -hmm. like an outfit will just be like, okay, we can do something. We can do this type of outfit with this material. Right. That yeah. Mm -hmm. That often happens. That's unfortunate though. Cause it does mean I have to store a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So like literally yeah. I have like, baskets full of materials that I haven't used. Um, yeah. You know, as an archaeologist, I've spent quite a bit of time abroad. So I have fabrics from different places that I've been that I haven't used. Um, occasionally, I'll ask people, you know, if they're going someplace to bring me something back. 
to like, oh yeah, you know, bring me a piece of silk, or if you go to this place, bring me something, you know, and and that's always fun. I'm always interested in what what people are thinking about that way. Um, yeah, but yeah, I might, I I I'm blessed in a sense because I don't feel that there's nothing that I can't make. So right. I'm perfectly happy taking inspiration from a painting or from a color, you know, that's like, hmm, not that color, this color. And then, yeah. you know, what happens with it. Um, but I'm also, I also think hard about the person I'm working with and what works with them. So mm-hmm. different body types require different stuff and, and different ways of thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, you know, am I pushing against something that the, the person I'm working with or the team I'm working with is interested in, or am I just going along for the ride? And, and I, try right. to be, I try to be conscious of, of where that, you know, of that attitude, because occasionally you need to like push against something. You'd be like, you guys are going this way. I'm going to go this different direction. But at other times, yes. it's easy to work with what's actually, you know, with the flow that's actually happening in and around like the, the, the design spirit. So yeah, yeah, all of those things work well for me. And you did mention Martha. And for those of you who don't know, Martha is none other than the illustrious Martha Graham Cracker cabaret performer. (laughs) And uh, Max is Martha's costumier. (laughs) That's pretty cool. I like that. (laughs) Well, listen, it's always been my fantasy. That's like, that's been as a performer, that has been my number one fantasy to have a costumier. So (laughs) I've always wanted one, you know, and I do do design a lot of my stuff anyways, Uh but, but I was like, it would just be so nice to have someone to collaborate with, you know, on a regular basis and say, Hey, I want this. Is there any way to get dragon wings on this dress? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I want somebody I can do that with so bad. It's gonna happen. It's like, it's in my, it's in my, my mind. I know I'm putting out that energy. I feel like some people dream of finding their one true love. I feel, I, I dream of finding my one true costume. Yeah, that's my fantasy. That's a riot. Uh, you know, I have it's a, true though. I have a dragon that I just bought sitting here on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I got one. I, the, the dragons from Game of Thrones is sitting here on my desk. Oh wow! You know, someone I just someone asked me to watch ahead. Game of Thrones, and they were like, "You need to watch this because there are clothes and stuff that are in it. Oh yeah, amazing. And I I like the clothes. I thought the clothes were all right, but I fell in love with the dragons. So. Yeah. yeah, I can see you. Well, you know what? With a dragon like in your hair, have you considered oh, that? Oh God, yes. Yeah. Oh, look, anything I can fit on my head, you know me. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. I'm gonna try it. There's like, there's a ton of things that I haven't put in my hair yet, but it's on the list. Like, it's gonna happen. Get a dragon in there. No, but there are throw a dragon in there, some flames. Oh my god, you're getting me all excited already. The blue flame, the blue flame from Game of Thrones. Did you see that episode where the dragon shoots out the blue flames? No, I haven't. I haven't completed Game of Thrones. I tried, Uh 
and it, it got so intense, I had to take a break. Oh, yeah. I'll go back at some point. Yeah, go but back at like, some and, point, yeah. And see that blue, that dragon with the blue flames. It was really like, yeah. I mean, it's ominous, and it's as bad yeah. news for the characters as you think it is. Right. But it's still yeah. like, whoa, how beautiful. I mean, it was absolutely wow. beautiful. So, yeah, it's a... Um, I do, like, I, I guess when I'm thinking about inspiration, too, this is something I... I hadn't mentioned, but I do try hard to also think about the audience. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I want to do things, you know, I mean, when I'm working with a, a theater company or, you know, I've done commissions as well. Um, yeah. You know, different people have asked me to do stuff. And certainly I've done theatrical stuff. I've worked with dance companies. I've worked with, um, who else have I worked with? Some of my work wound up in a, you know, on the bus shelter at one point. <laughs> that was yes, really cool. I saw that. Yeah, that was really cool. So, oh, um, I also saw the one where you were um, when your work was in the window. Yes, at Macy's. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Was, I was yes, so excited yeah. about oh, that. My I God, was so screaming in my Uber. <laughs> I'm driving by, and I'm like, yes! yeah. That was that was easily a high point. I took so many pictures of that, and that was like a retrospective. <laughs> for Miss Martha too, as well. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. But I do try to think hard about what pleases the audience. You know, like when in Cabaret, there's, and I may have said this before, but in Cabaret, there is usually no set. And so the costume becomes the set. And, right. and you should think about this too, because your costumes for your performances are very theatrical and very provocative. Yeah. And so those costumes they become the set and they give the audience like a a hook to get into the yeah. performance and yeah, yeah and, and you can work with that or against it you know you can totally yeah be like okay I'm gonna wear this but actually the way our set is gonna go this is gonna be like a to create some tension between what I'm wearing and what the set is. Right. You know, so, well, you know what? A, a, yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? A couple episodes ago, I just was talking with someone about this very subject. Uh -huh. I was, cause she was asking me where I get some of my thoughts from uh -huh. like for colors and like my makeup and where, and I said, yeah. And she was asking, does the outfit come first or does the makeup? And I was saying, well, some it's easy. It's sometimes it's both right. or either, or it, it depends. And I also told her that a lot of times when I go to perform somewhere, I do look up the venue so I can see the colors mm -hmm. and the vibe and the feeling of the room. Uh -huh. And I take that into account. Yeah, you know? that's smart. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and certainly for Miss Miss Martha, we have to do that because, yeah. you know, some of our costumes are huge. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, the last <laughs> thing we want is for you know a skirt to flow over a candle and burn up. <laughs> so, mm, yeah, so you want, don't want that. We want to avoid that. We also don't want to be in an outfit that isn't maneuverable because of how the space is made. You know, the skirt right. too long, or the panniers are just too wide, or the hair mm. or the headgear is too high. Yeah, you know, which has yeah. happened. Because Miss Martha's very tall. She's very, very statuesque. Tall. <laughs> and then wears high, high yeah, heels. Right, right. Wears five-inch heels. And so it's really easy for, um, you know, a hazard to happen. And also for the costume to 
you know, to be a hindrance rather than a help. And that's the last thing that I want. It has happened that the costume became a hindrance. Either it didn't hold up, you know, certainly early on, like I've, I've been working with Martha for, it'll be, it's 13 years as of this earlier this year was our 13th wow. anniversary. So um, certainly early on, there was some, there was some, you know, awesome like oohs and ahs, and then there were some mishaps. So, right. you know, like there, that is kind of inevitable in a way, but also as you get more experience, you, of course you want to avoid those because if your performer is not very um, professional, versatile and resourceful, mm -hmm. then if the costume, um, you know, flounders a bit, then, you know, they'll be thrown out of their character or out of the moment. And then it'll be right. very hard to get back into it. So right. I try really hard to think about how this will work. How can we secure it? And also, is it strong enough to stand up to the wear and tear? I mean, like Miss Martha might roll on the floor. Miss Martha might crawl on something, <laughs> might climb on a column in the room or do something else with the furniture. And so being able to, um, again, stand up to that is really important. But the what the challenge is in that is that, of course, women's clothes are not designed for that. I know a very few, right. um, you know, sort of couture and high-end styles that can withstand climbing on the furniture without either ripping or creating some kind of tension or risk you know, like really, really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like we've had uh, one time um, we were performing in New York and Miss Martha was sort of flirting with one of the patrons and having an awesome moment that everyone was into when the patron stepped on the train of the dress and ripped it, like ripped it off. Oh. Right. And the back of the dress, oh I know, and the back of the dress came with it. And so it was like, oh. whoa. I mean, it was really, really bad. Uh, in the sense of we were in, in the middle of a show, and a cabaret is not the kind of show where you can take time out. It's not really, especially right. if the room is really tight, taking time out mm -hmm. means you got to give 20 minutes people to go to the restroom and come back etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah actually what i wound up doing was i ran down to the dressing room and ran back with like my trusty box of safety pins and while mm -hmm. miss martha sang a song i was like standing behind him <laughs> and i was successful and i i feel like that is like the epitome of how our show works vis-a-vis -vis like the costumes, the hair and the makeup. It's more like right. at any time, something could go horribly wrong. And so you have to be yes. like ready. But that tenuousness is important. And the tenuousness is what makes it memorable. It's what makes it flexible. It's what reminds right. the audience that this is not just about Clothes. It's also about the performance. It's also about the boundary yeah. between masculine and feminine that we walk. And you know, yeah. Miss Martha doesn't want to have a flaw. Miss Martha wants to be flawless, of course. And right, of you know, course. wants to be flawless. But of course, you know, 
something sort of is always askew by the end of the show, no matter yeah, <laughs> of no course. Matter what we do. <laughs> uh, and that's part of the magic. Right. And that's part of, you know, what humanizes it and, and keeps it relevant, but also makes it fleeting as well. So, you know, yeah. I did, I had to embrace the fleeting quality of cabaret shows and, you know, we have dresses mm. that Miss Martha has only worn once for whatever reason, but at the same, and right. you know, but you still, you can't, you have to embrace it. You can't like, you, that's what I mean when I say, if you're going to work against it, you need to be conscious and make conscious decisions about it. If I try to work against that fleeting nature, we might have something go awry with how Miss Martha deals with the audience. And I'm I'm not interested in in getting in the middle of that particular relationship per se. You know, I want to enhance that. I want to make that relationship easy and smooth and and seamless and doable. And you know, make that makes it possible for that relationship to expand and be, you know, even more colorful and rich. So, you know, we you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's we've had to think. Absolutely. We've had to think long and hard, or rather I have. I've had to think long and hard about what works and what doesn't and why and and how the costume can enhance things and can make the audience, you know, feel a certain way and a certain excitement about Miss Martha, but to never make yeah. her unapproachable. You know, never. You can right. never be so perfect and so, um, you know, uh, have so much mystique and so much costume armor that she's unapproachable. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I got to toe the line. It's That's a challenge for me personally as a performer. I have to toe the line because I've had, well, it was funny because at a show you mm -hmm. were doing, actually, <laughs> I was sitting, I think I had just performed and I went to sit down uh -huh. for a minute and uh, someone came up to me and they were, they had had a few. <laughs> And they were like, they were like, oh, look who we found. They were like, you were amazing. And then she proceeds to spill her beverage oh. right in my lap. And I had to go back up and do another song. So I'm like, <laughs> and I just was like, okay. And I got, I got up and I went, went into the dressing room and I had to like get, mop myself yep. off and blot, blot this beverage yep. off. And luckily I was wearing dark mm -hmm. pants. So I was like, okay, it's not going to be too noticeable. That's good. <laughs> and and the drink, you know, the drink didn't stain, right. so and that it was wasn't good. Like but I was pungent like, I was... beer, so you'd have a spilled beer. No, <laughs> no, no. It was. I it had some alcohol in it. I could smell that, but it wasn't Thank terrible. You. It wasn't terrible. But there's that, and that was, you know, and I at first was like horrified, but I pulled myself <laughs> together. And you know, there's there's a ton of times where someone will come up to me and say, you know oh, you know, I loved your performance or you look mm -hmm. so nice or whatever. And I see their uh -huh. hand slowly reaching up to oh, no. my head. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, no. And I got to go Matrix style <laughs> and then bend back and be like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, thank you. Right. Hey, 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 what are you I doing? I think you'll have to at some point um, start to welcome that because... Well, no, never, never. Well, because, I mean, it is a mark of admiration when, you know, when people want to want to be closer to your designs. I mean, 
I listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, like here's an example though. So I had I did this a show uh, at at Swarthmore, and the two you know the two principal performers in that show they liked what I did so much that they wanted to purchase it. They wanted to purchase it, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. "What do you mean?" And you know, a, a costume is not a an everyday garment. And, you know, it may be, it may also be a little bit unfinished in some respects because it's not an everyday garment. So the lining may not be perfect. It may not be designed to stand up to, you know, being worn close up, you know, where someone can really see everything close up. And so, but it was still like, so I had to, you know, do some work so that those two performers could take those outfits home. But even so, it was really like they were, they felt so close to what I had put together for them that they wanted to own it. And I think that that could be some of the same things that's happening when people want to touch your hair. You know, when you, because your hair, when you do your hair, it's beautiful. It's like a sculpture. And, you know, most people are not permitted to be close to art let alone a work of yeah. art that's sitting right in front of them. And, you know, so that, yeah. that curiousness, um, I definitely think you should embrace that. Well, here's the thing about, I think that what you're saying is very wise. And I think that it's, there's, there's, you've given me some things to think about. However, I feel like for me, um, part of my performance persona is, it's pretty, but it's bitter. <laughs> and uh-huh. no, really, it's, it's you know, because even like my music, uh, when, you've, when you get to hear my music, you'll see that it's pretty, but it, the lyrics can be a little bitter mm-hmm. to the taste. And it's a little, it's a little, a little poisonous. <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a beautiful mm-hmm. flower. It's like Belladonna, you know, it's gorgeous, but right. you can't eat it. And it's, and that's exactly kind of what my persona is like. So it's like, yes, you can mm-hmm. admire it but you should not touch it and you should not try to taste it because it will kill you. You know what I mean? That's kind right. of what my vibe is. You know John I mean? Jarvis, because she's done a huge oh. show called The Poison Cookie and that's a cabaret series. And I think that you would be right. a marvelous addition to that now that I think about it. So I'm going to definitely uh, next time I talk with John and learn whatever she's up to I'm gonna see what I can do to get you into their orbit do that (laughs) do that get get me into the orbit Max but yeah but it's but it's true and you know what I also think too it's a little bit it's a little bit for me like my personal also is a little bit um a little bit S and mm-hmm. a little bit because it's like you know you don't get to touch me unless I say you get to touch me. Martha's yes. very open very and you know mm-hmm. very welcoming, but mine is more like here t- you you take this, you take what I'm giving you, and then you reach out to me, and I'm like uh uh-uh, uh, not till I say so. <laughs> so so you get you get a little bit of I want you to have a little <laughs> bit of pain, and I want you to to yearn, mm-hmm. and I want you to to. To hope for that moment mm-hmm. that I say, okay, okay. You can come in. Oh my goodness. You know what I yeah, mean? I do see what you mean. Yeah, that's coming across very plainly yeah. in your show. I do. I see yeah. that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was actually yeah. thinking that way uh, on a subconscious level, in fact. So, um, 
Yeah. Mm, yeah, so it's good. working. What you're doing is definitely provocative that way. Yeah. Yeah. It comes, um, it, and that, that circles round to another reason why I mm-hmm. brought you here to Beauty Reform School, because we talk about, you know, reinvention and how to present yourself and, and you know, hopefully give inspiration to people who are trying to figure out how they want to present and who they want to be and, and anything from makeup to hair to clothes will, yeah. to style. That's what we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about. And a lot of times, you know, people wear mm-hmm. what they have because they, they've just had it forever and right. have it. But when you're trying to reinvent yourself and you're like, how do I want to present myself in this part of my life? Like, how do I want to look and be and all this other stuff? I mean, what we just talked about is a great example mm-hmm. of that because you have to decide from the inner core wh- who you want to be and how you want to present and how you want people to perceive you. And then that will help you come up with an idea of how you want to look and how you want well, to dress and all that. I stuff agree. I agree. But I would add a few things to that too. Cause I, I do. Yeah, I Please do. Yes. agree with everything you're saying and that the, the idea of understanding your own self and your own tastes that uh, that can that should always be the foundation and i i just cannot imagine what decisions people are making where they have a closet full of clothes that they don't feel good about <laughs> i'm like there's just too right. many clothing retail outlets out there and too many styles and so many kinds of details and so many options for how you can look as far as, you know, the superficial qualities that clothes and makeup can give a person that there really is no reason for you to not walk out every day wearing something that you know looks good. Really, I find that, yeah, I find that troubling that someone um, tolerates, because it does, it's a mark of, you know, tolerating something that is kind of intolerable. And so while you may not know a ton about clothes, for example, there are loads of people who do, and there's no reason why you couldn't seek out somebody or find a stylist or, you know, when you're on the website, you know, you're on Everlane or uh, you're on White House Black Market or J Crew or whatever one you're on. There's a little chat box, and there's a person sitting there whose job it is is to be like, "Hey, man, are you thinking like this? What do you think you like? What kinds of colors do you like?" And they will go move heaven and earth to help you. But even beyond that, like, so I've done styling for average people too, for different occasions, um, mm-hmm. and like I've done, yeah. I've taken like. Well, for example, I worked with Andrew Simonette for his book release. And that was a really interesting and unique opportunity for me because I'd known Andrew a long time. And you know, by the way, his book is called mm-hmm. Wilder. Uh, that was published. And so there was a book released in Philadelphia. And it's a great story uh, about a young man. You know, uh, he's about 18 or 19 and some of his struggles with um, trying to be more mature and, and how, how masculinity is, uh, uh, you know, the acceptable norms about masculinity in our culture and society. 
and, and the friendship that yeah. he strikes up with uh-huh. the young woman whom he's really attracted to. But that, but that book release meant that Andrew wanted to present a side of himself that most people weren't quite so familiar with, which is that of the author. And so he and I, we, yeah. we did a little, um, a little process that I have to help people understand what, you know, what they think suits them, how they see themselves in terms of clothing, and if they want to go against that, you know, if they want to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, yeah. for me, when I'm thinking about someone and what works for them, you know, for a lot of women, they worry about, you know, having a waist and their body proportions. And maybe, you know, they have hips and booty and not so much boobs. Or, you know, maybe they right. don't have much hips and booty, but loads of boobs or any number of things. Or, you know, they right. have broad shoulders or they're like me. They have long arms. Or, um, you know, any, or a long neck, you know, there's all sorts of different body types. But when I'm thinking about a person, I'm just sort of thinking about what, you know, from how they move, how they walk, what kind of features they are actually showcasing, even if they're not, you know, completely conscious of doing so. And so, um, you know, like there's, I I had a, um, one of my mentors, um, one of my archaeology mentors, she used to complain all the time about not having a waist. She's like, I don't have a waist. I don't have a waist. Right. And I would always look at her and say, hmm, well, actually, you do have a waist, but you haven't figured out the best way to accentuate it. And so if you're someone who's like, feels like they're a little um, apple shaped, then what might work for you would be a belt. Okay, a belt yeah. gives you a waist. Uh, even if you don't have yeah. an hourglass figure, it will give you the semblance of a waist. So that's an easy yeah. answer to that issue. And um, for example, if yeah. you if you think that you have you know really really narrow shoulders, so then it's probably not a good idea for you to wear like big shoulder pads because that will make your shoulders right. look even narrower. Then it'll make you look like you have this little small head with these giant like football player shoulder pads on the side. And so what might actually yeah. work better for you would be um, to have uh, like a scoop neck. Scoop necks will yeah. work really, really well in that um, type of... Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's my Kindle. Okay. Um, yeah, scoop neck <laughs> will make your narrow shoulders look broader, um, as well as something with a collar will make your narrow shoulders, even if it's a, yeah. a collar shirt with no sleeves or, you know, something with, you know, very bare arms, but with a collar, that will help your narrow shoulders yeah. look more proportional. So there's always a little trick that you can do always, you know? And if like, for example, if you're somebody with like, you know, big hips and a little booty back there, then certainly um, a dress with a full skirt and a belt will give you the semblance of an hourglass figure, even if you don't have one. You see what I'm saying? So there's loads of different um, tips and tricks 
that will work. I mean, if you're if you're a, a really big girl, then you know there are definitely different ways that you can accentuate your you know your décolletage. So that's the focus, yeah. as opposed to you know a part of your figure that you're not so um, enamored with. You know, and there's always some part of your figure that you may not be enamored with, but you know, there's definitely again um, loads of tips and tricks that you can do that will either bring it into proportion or give the illusion of it being in proportion or the illusion of making it go away mm-hmm. entirely. So that that's one of the things I love yeah. about costuming and clothing is that you know those those kinds of challenges are always like unique to the person and then it's a way that you can make the clothes really work for them you know and and really maybe even bring out yeah. a side of their personality that they they weren't exactly embracing you know and do that in a positive way yeah i definitely yeah. think that that's possible for sure i mean i have you know my my body is such that you know, mm-hmm. I'm smaller up top and uh-huh. my waist is small, but my hips and my butt are huge. So, right. So, but then right. That being the I case, was going to say, there's huh? loads of Black women who have that kind of figure. Loads of them, you know? And, right. and so, you know, when right. you're thinking about it, like, I've seen you wear different kinds of coats and you know, different kinds of yeah. um, outerwear. Yeah, capes and, capes, yeah. Capes and coats. Right, I'm but I've never, I, that I can recall seeing you in like a, a you know, a, a, a belted dress with a full skirt. Have you considered that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, yeah. But you know what, I, it's interesting that you should say that because I've noticed, um, I've seen lots mm-hmm. of pictures of myself right. at this point performing. And the, um, the first of all, I don't even, even know if you know, but because of the fact that, you know, I've got the, right. I've got mm-hmm. the arthritis the like that, my that. knees mm-hmm. tend to swell. Yeah, but my knees tend to swell. And a lot of times I might have to wear knee braces when I'm on stage because I don't want to take oh, the chance that my right. knee will give out mm-hmm. in the middle of a performance. So I'll wear a brace to give myself extra support. And that's where the big uh-huh. shirts came from to begin with. Because because I didn't want my braces to be noticeable. I didn't want that to distract right. from mm-hmm. what I was doing. So I started wearing the really big skirts because that would hide any lumps uh-huh. and bumps yep. from the knee braces. Sense. So so that was that was like how that started. And then I just <laughs> be- came to like that uh-huh. because they were comfortable. You know, they were comfortable. Big flowing skirts, really comfortable. Right. It's not tight. It doesn't pinch. It's you can sit any kind of way you want. You don't have to worry about it. You can you're comfortable. So and it's very stunning to see on stage. But then also when it came to wearing like a belt and then wearing a big skirt, when I would see pictures of that, I didn't care for the uh line of that. Only because I mean, and it's funny because I've been wanting a bustle for a really long time. (laughs) Still, I'm still on that. I think I would feel a little bit more Uh comfortable with a bustle. Because then my, the line of that hmm. would be more intentional. So someone would look at that and go, oh, she has a bustle on. Oh, that's interesting. But when I don't have a bustle, then it's like, oh, Jesus, her <laughs> butt is huge. But think about this, though. You know what I so, mean? 
you know, certainly with, you know, when you talk about bustles, that makes me think about historical clothing. And it also makes, because mm -hmm. I love a good costume drama, I freely admit, and I will tune in to any good costume drama just to see what folks are wearing and how that makes people behave. Um, and, but when it comes to yeah. things like bustles, you can't help but think about women's clothing through time. So and like I'm not a I'm not a fashion scholar yeah. per se, but I do notice some things. And as a PhD right. archaeologist, I do know a little bit about history and and the sense of how right. different trends in society show up in what we call material culture, of which clothing would just be one instance. Yeah. So when you're thinking about like a bustle, for example. Yeah. Do you think about it in terms of like what it emphasizes about your figure? Because what it does, the bustle is all about the ass and how you look when you walk right. away. And then that was literally what right. was, you know, sort of subconsciously in the air when all of those women were wearing these Victorian dresses. They would cover from right. neck to wrist, but yet these looks would mm -hmm. emphasize their hips and the booty. And so. Which is fine with a bustle only because that way you're saying, but, hey, right. go ahead. And exactly. And, like, you know, fine. you can do the, the sway of the fabric can either can emphasize it or work against it. Meaning, you know, to create a different quality to the bustle. So you know, when you walk with a bustle, mm -hmm. If you're wearing a cotton dress versus a dress out of taffeta, then you're going to get a very different quality and attitude regarding the dress. Yeah. Even down to the sound that the dress mm -hmm. makes as you switch by, it'll be like that swishing yeah. that taffeta has. You can hear it. And all of a sudden it's mm -hmm. like, you know, well, yeah. this booty is talking. It's amazing. What you can do with that, you know? It is. <laughs> and so if there's there's a different way of thinking about clothing in that sense. Um, and certainly there, you know, those those qualities of clothes mirror certain uh aspects of what's happening with women at the time. So so I think that um, yeah. you know, if you think like about the Belle Epoque, so the Belle Epoque is like the the epitome of the Victorian period is when Victorianism is giving way yeah. to modernism. And it's a, a time of like huge yeah. industrialization and a lot of disparities, particularly for women. Um, but at the same time, it's the time when mm -hmm. women are fighting to get the right to vote. That is women in the West, that is. And, and so as that right, that mm -hmm. right to vote starts to become a potential and a reality, then women's clothes tend to change simultaneously. So instead of the super feminine French-inspired Belle Epoque look that you get like around 1905 in like the movie Titanic, then it starts to switch toward mm -hmm. a more masculine look. So throughout the teens and culminating in the 20s and in the jazz age, then the woman's physique starts to disappear in the clothing. And that disappearance of the physique mm -hmm. is also, a, a, it mirrors the step forward in terms of political, social, and economic power that women are experiencing. And yeah. then 
right after the Belle Epoque, you know, right. there's the recession, I mean, the Great Depression, and all of the the, the difficulty right. of World War II, and women's clothes, because they become assumed, you know, because women in general, even despite having the right to vote, they're still uh, dealing with a confrontation with masculine and patriarchal power structures, their clothes start to feminize again, you know, in the 30s. And then you get those Mm -hmm. beautiful flowing silks and um, bias cut stuff that you see like on Greta Garbo and Marie Dietrich and stuff. So it's a reflection of these changes with the women's power and agency. And so you know, when I think about the bustle, mm-hmm. you know, it comes on the heels of the the Civil War. It comes on the heels of having those giant hoop skirts that Scarlett O'Hara is wearing, which, of course, yeah. that's all about the waist and the boot, you know. So that's emphasizing right. this femininity um, and a, a different type of exaggeration of a woman's physique. And then as as the they step away and step out of some of the different military conflicts from the mid 1800s then the women's body tends to get like distorted in a little bit of a way because like the corsets that were under those bustle skirts were pulling in a woman's waist to like wasp like proportions and you know women would pass out right Right. They would literally be trying to go to a party and they would pass right. out <laughs> yes. having uh, the, you know, a dress on right. the, where their waist and hips could be emphasized so that the bustle would seem even bigger and have even more um, movement right. and more emphasis. So it's a, it's a really interesting way right. of thinking about women's agency as these different types of clothing emphasize different aspects of their bodies and like what are some of the subconscious messages that are going on there I just find that fascinating (laughs) yeah no I, I agree and for me I feel like too you know my clothes did kind of, my body did kind of dictate what kind of clothes I felt the best in or wanted to present in but At the same time, Mm -hmm. in the world that we're living in today, I feel like even more inclined to wear clothes like that because I just feel like nowadays, so, you know, when you see people perform a lot, it's it's all about body positivity. And I totally Uh embrace that and respect that. Um, But I like (laughs) to go against the grain. It's like, I respect your right. You know, I respect your right if you want to go out um, and present and perform in mm-hmm. very little, that's fine. And I will mm-hmm. fight all day for your right to do so. But then for me, on the other side of that, it's like, I I feel like mm-hmm. I gain power for myself by oh, not... Yeah. Yep, I do. I see what you that. mean. You know what I mean? I, f- I feel like I gain power by not trying to do that. I, I don't need to do that. There's plenty of other people out there doing it, so I don't need to do it for myself. And I like, again, back to what we were saying before, I like to withhold Mm -hmm. um, from you. I like to withhold from you um, Mm -hmm. because it draws you in more. 
It's like, I don't give you everything right away. You know, you, I'm serious. I don't give you everything right away. You got, you got to earn that. Like you got to come in and you got to truly listen to what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And then you'll, you'll get more, but I'm not giving it to you right now. Right you know what I mean? For I sure. do. I do that. For That's sure. Cool. Yeah, not, for sure. You're, no way. I, I no, wish I could design not, like not that. Me. I mean, we try to do reveals sometimes. You know, we'll like bring somebody in right. in like a cape or a coat or a wrap or something, and then they reveal, uh, you know, something else underneath, which you know right. brings out some other quality of the character. At times, that that's really important and and helpful. Yeah. Um, but uh and it can be yeah. a way of like saying you thought you knew everything but look i've got this other part i've got this thing that's still in my back pocket that right. i can bring in whenever i wish <laughs> right so that i i do appreciate mm-hmm. that particular type of quality and i think in drag as well as you know in regular performance having something in your back pocket um can be a really powerful lure for the audience, you know, to just be like, what else is going on back mm-hmm. there? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I can see the value in that. Yeah, I, w- I was I just saying, uh, just as, I could yeah. probably benefit from thinking a little bit more like that. Um, but I don't know. I tend to think like, uh, you know, with it, de- it depends. You know, if we're if we're doing like a show in the round, then yeah, it's like, oh my god, you got to think about everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. most of the time, um, right. you know, there's because and I would just say, you know, using Ms. Martha as, as an example, because that's so improvisational at times, yeah. it's like, wait, don't show that particular corner. Wait, I didn't give enough thought yeah. to this other quality, this other side of things. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I could do more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why I like talking to other artists because it you they tell you things that you're like, I yes. did not think of that, you know? And it's funny because like now that you're talking to you, it, it gave me some things to think about. So there's going to be some things I'm going to mm-hmm. experiment and with and explore you, and try. So when you think about you know, your, your skirts, have you tried like, um, like pleats and not little pleats, big ones, you know, like five inch pleats? You know what? I've I've wanted a pleated skirt. I have one pleated skirt in my arsenal, oh. just one, and I don't like it very much. So, okay. But but no, it's just oh, that okay. skirt. Exactly. I'm not saying pleats yeah, I like, don't like. I'm saying that particular pleats. skirt. I could but totally I see have you with like really pleats. huge pleats. Yeah. Not like those little like half inch things. I am so thrilled that you agreed to come here and give us a little, not only a costume <laughs> lesson, but a history lesson here at Beauty Reform School. I am so, so grateful for that. And, you know, you know, I admire your work. So it just, it's just also a thrill to have you come and talk about what you And do I admire I your admire work as well. So I'm always just stunned by your makeup and your hair and your costume choices for your performances you know it's just stunning natural beauty that's just enhanced in all of these marvelous ways and so I'm always looking forward to seeing you as well (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you again so much Max Brown
Thank you. And I might, you know, you never know. I might need you to come back and give us another well, history I'd be lesson. happy to. <laughs> and again, because I've, I've done some, uh, you know, I've borrowed from some designers who've come before. And so if you wanted to talk about how I go about doing that and some of the details of that, I'd be happy to discuss kind of, you know, there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole host yes. of like yes, designers would. and looks that I've borrowed from. So yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Excellent. Excellent. Okie dokie. Well, thank you so much. And this I was love fun. you. Thank you for I inviting me. <laughs>